All right, everybody, we are back. It is Tuesday, August 31st, 2021. It is Tuesday in the ATL in Georgia, in the USA. It is cloudy, it is raining, and so forth. We got the remnants of a massive hurricane that went through the South. I hope everyone is okay down there in Louisiana, Mississippi, and so on and so forth. A lot of rain, a lot of wind, a lot of damage, unfortunately, but I hope all is well. This is England is Burning for Tuesday, August 31st. We are going through our season previews of the top clubs in the WSL. Yesterday, we had Rob from the Islington Gazette on. Uh, well, not Rob. We had Josh on. <laughs> we got Rob today. Um, but we had Josh on from uh, the Islington Gazette to talk about Arsenal. We had some hot takes for the season. And I wonder if, uh, if our guest today, Rob from the CFCW Social, uh, one or not, he probably didn't have a chance to hear this. He's a busy man. Rob, welcome back. We're talking about Chelsea today. Yeah, we are, and thank you very much for having me back again. Have a, did you have a good summer? Yeah, good yeah, vacay. Yeah, nice to have a bit of a break, although there wasn't yeah. really much of a break from the football with the way the Euros fell, and then the Olympics, and then back into sort of you know the transfer window so, and pre-season, so it wasn't really a break again this year. Do you cover, I mean, just as a curiosity, do you cover both uh, the men and women's side and the no. youth academies, or, or, or do you yeah. just focus exclusively on the, on the women's the- side? All, all of that. Of, all of that. Okay. Wow. So that's a lot with the with the Euros, the Champions League, and all that type of stuff. So you are incredibly yep. busy uh, as a senior, and you're the, and you're the senior editor. So yeah, you're definitely going to be busy. So uh, so I brought you on to Rob. Um, you know, to do kind of a season preview of, of Chelsea women um, mm-hmm. and so forth. But I, I wanted to first talk about the transfer uh, the transfer window. Uh, in the summer and some of the ingoing incomings and outgoings for Chelsea and get your thoughts on that. So what I have as far as let's start with the incoming. Mm-hmm. So I have uh, Anik Nguyen uh, from PSV and Eindhoven uh, mm-hmm. and Lauren James is, is uh, as the main incomings for Chelsea. Mm-hmm. What are your what are your thoughts about how these two players fit into Emma Hayes's plans and in in this coming season? So I'll start off with Nguyen, because I think that's sort of the more obvious one. Uh, I think mm-hmm. it was fair to say last season, at times Chelsea looked like they needed a centre-back and they had issues with injuries. And I think Nguyen comes in as a really good option to play alongside Eva Magda or Millie Bright. Um, is a very good player in her own right. They could also play a back three, although that could leave them very light. She's a very talented uh, young defender, real ball-playing sort of defender, does like to sort of progressively pass out from the back. Um, is perhaps a little bit light on the physical side, but that's something that you hopefully will get from developing a little bit into the English game. Um, and she does read the game very well. She's an exceptional sort of you know, reader of the ball. So that's sort of all very, very positive and looks like being a real asset is the sort of player I think that will play probably more minutes in WSL at first than in UWCL, but is a very capable deputy. And it also means that if Chelsea do have injuries, they're not relying on putting Sophie Engel into the back sort of four because if you're putting her back there you're also losing out on I think um sort of you know that bite in the midfield that's so important um and then the other obviously big incoming and the protracted saga that seemed to last for weeks was it happening was it not as uh, Lauren James um and I think Lauren James is someone who's been signed more for the potential that she has because there's obviously an enormous amount of that it's a I think there is a bit of growing up needed on the player's side. Um, it's been sort of talked about that she needs to sort of you know, knuckle down a little bit and actually got her sort of dream move back to London 
for big money. Um, it sort of you know needs to be addressed, and she now needs to repay the club's faith. I think. I think it's also a deal that's been signed in line with the fact that Sam Kerr has not shown any indication that she's going to renew her deal, which is up next summer. Um, and obviously, it's been quite widely documented her relationship with Christy Mewis over the summer. And I think you know there will be interest from NWSL clubs and also from other European clubs in trying to maybe take them both next summer and sort of trying to get a package deal together for them. So I think Lauren Jones, what she does bring is a lot of what a lot of potential. Um, a very pacey sort of centre forward can lead the line really well, and I think she could play really well up alongside someone like um, Sam Kerr or even up alongside Beth England because I think the skill sets complement each other quite well. Uh, I and just to just a for clarification, Rob, I I, I had was under the impression, and though I was kind of on break myself, that that the Lauren James move to Chelsea was a pretty much a fait accompli, you know, back three months ago. Mm-hmm. Um, uh, how, what can you tell us what led to that becoming a saga and protracted out so much? Yeah. So firstly, it was Manchester United losing um, Casey Stoney because Lauren James made it quite clear to Casey Stoney she wanted to go. And she said, that's fine. And then Casey Stoney left. Um, and United were reluctant to agree to do anything incoming or outgoing until they had a manager in who could sign off deals and agree it. Uh, then there was also a bit of issue with COVID, um, which is sort of, um, sort of impossible to deal with. And then Chelsea started making financial offers, and obviously Manchester United, knowing the money that Chelsea have, they didn't want to let her go on the cheap because they didn't want to appear like it had been sort of, you know, that they'd uh, sort of been bullied into doing the transfer. It became quite clear the player wanted to leave. She made it clear she wanted to go. So that was a difficult negotiation spot. But it was always very clear they were, you know, it was going to be on a equal terms and United had to feel like they were getting a good deal. And I will say there were a lot of names that were floated initially in the swap deal. Um, you know, United have tried to tried to get Beth England and, you know, England was reluctant to go. They tried to get Gura Wrighton and Wrighton was pretty much the club closed the door on that. There were other names that were floated about and didn't really ever sort of, you know, go any further than that. And eventually they settled on one of Chelsea's outgoings. I think it's worth sort of moving on to that now because um, they've got Hannah Blundell in the deal who I will say, I think, personally, I commend her for moving to play first team minutes. She could very easily have sat around and been a squad player. I will always commend a player who wants to go and play football. Um, just from a personal perspective, uh, you know, I also say Hannah Blundell was an amazing sport with the CSW Social, you know, retweeted a lot of our content, engaged with a lot of our work. Um, you know, it's a real fan favourite. She will get an incredible reception when she comes back to King's Meadow. She is one of our own. And ultimately, I think it was a good deal for both parties. Chelsea get a really young, hungry player. Manchester United get a really, really good WSL player who wants to play more regular minutes, deserves more regular minutes consistently in the starting team. And yeah, sort of coming up to the point now, which should be the peak and prime of her career. And hopefully she can really kick on. And now that we're talking about outgoings uh, along with Blundell, uh, which was, you know, pretty much almost a simultaneous situation with Lauren coming in, uh, you know, I have, you know, uh, Jamie Lee Napier uh, outgoing, Emily Murphy is an outgoing, Agnes Weaver-Jones, Charlotte Warlow, and Emily Orman as outgoings, you know, any thoughts about those going outgoing Uh, I mean, I think, you know, Jamie Lee Napier was sort of the right sort of thing. Obviously struggled a little bit in WSL last year and I think has gone down a step to a really good club that have got good ambitions and she'll make her way back up, I'm very, very sure. 
uh, Emily Murphy, again, you can't win an offer like that to sort of be able to continue your studies and do it in that prestigious manner comes along. You can't really block a player's path. Um, I'm sure there will be opportunities for her to return to England in a similar way to, you know, what you've seen with Lotte, Woman Moy at Arsenal, etc. Um with the lone players, they all played very well in pre-season. And I think, you know, Aggie B. The Jones has already got herself on the score sheet. Uh, Wardlow played, has apparently played very, very well in pre-season. Um, and, you know, Emily Orman needs to go out because there's a you know, three very, very good goalkeepers already at Chelsea. So it's all sensible loan deals. And I think it's what we expected to see. I mean, I think, you know, it was probably quite clear over the, over the summer that um, Chelsea were waiting for someone to come in and uh, sort of, you know, really step up from the youth side. And I think that's been Georgia Fox. Um, and she's really, really impressed in pre-season. So I think, you know, that's that's possibly alleviated why Chelsea aren't so keen to go out and sign a fullback because they want to be able to give her more consistent minutes. And yeah, it's important to note that that uh, Agnes and Charlotte and Emily are all loan deals, yeah. um, you know, and so they're not trans they're not transfers. Yeah. So with the window coming at us as in, in terms of closing fairly soon, um, you know, do you expect do you believe that Chelsea are going to make any additional moves in or out? I think there could be maybe one more additional move in. Certainly Chelsea is trying to get something done, but it's something that at the moment I'm, yeah, I, I know what's going on, but I have to keep it quiet. And I think Understood. it's difficult whether it will be done before the deadline, in all honesty. Um, it's a tough sort of thing. Sure, and totally understandable, and I I don't want you to be breaking any of that any of those mm -hmm. confidences and uh, and so forth. But are you when you look at you know if let's say there's nothing done, you know, like nothing happens in or out with Chelsea, how do you feel about the window? Was it do you feel like it's been a successful window? Do you feel like the fans would have expected more incoming uh, to kind of shore up some spots that maybe some people felt like needed some shoring up as far as depth was concerned? I mean, how do you feel about the business that's been done so far? It's difficult. I think, you know, Chelsea, if they could have brought in that one really, really good world-class fullback, I think I'd be a bit more happy with the squad. But at the same time, we don't know how Georgia Fox will be after another 12 months of developing. We don't know how Neem Charles will be after another 12 months of sort of developing. And let's not forget this was a Chelsea side that got very close to sort of, you know, a real, real incredible success last season. Right. Now, I did an article for Her Football Hub a few weeks ago that I got, you know, ripped apart for. I was accused of trolling. I was told I wasn't a Chelsea fan because I said, you know, these are reasons why Chelsea possibly won't win the title this year. And, you know, I one of those I said was the lack of, players that have come in. And I think other teams have done really, really good business. I don't think Chelsea have done bad business, but I feel there's an element of maybe stagnating a little bit. And I think it's important just to keep things fresh. That said, at the same time, you don't really, you know, you don't broke, you don't break what isn't, you know, what doesn't need to be broken. And you don't need to fix something that is broken, that isn't broken, sorry. So I think, you know, I'm, I'm happy to a point. I think could have been, Better could be worse. There could still be, you know, one or two additions in the next couple of days or sort of, you know, moves in or out that could sway my view. But I think ultimately Chelsea's big things were keeping a hold of the star players this window. Um, mm -hmm. Because I think, you know, certainly from a Barcelona point of view, they've really strengthened, but they've also lost some players that were um, very experienced players. And obviously they've lost the manager. Um, but they've brought in some real, real quality. 
Olympic Lyon have done the same as part of their rebuild. Um, PSG have brought in a couple, but they've also lost some really, really good players. And I think, you know, their plans have been disrupted by the injury to their keeper they brought in um, to replace Endler, who's obviously gone to Lyon. Um, and I think from a WSL perspective, there's a few sides that have done really, really good business. But a lot of them, I think, perhaps looking at it and saying, you know, there's we might be fine. But then again, if X, Y, Z happens, but, you know, it's hard to look past Chelsea as being there or thereabouts just by the quality of the squad they've got and the manager they've got and the ability to put top 11s out every single week. Yeah, and I think there's been a lot, I, what I've seen, Rob, it's been there's been a lot of debate in fan circles around like, well, you know, Chelsea really needed to go out and get, you know, a, a, you know, a star, you know, big name player to come in and, and really, you know, uh, put another marker down and take that next step. And, you know, and and, you know, we were they were runner up, you know, in the in the Champions League and, and, and so forth. We're going to go for it this year. And then some that were that were kind of took your, you know, what you mentioned, which is. Well, let's keep the, the the base in place, add a little bit of depth here, uh, and make sure that none of our stars leave, uh, and just keep the, the the solidity in place, um, and so forth. So I, there's been that kind of debate. So I think there's going to be some people that, uh, if at the end of the window there's no other additional business, they're going to be like, ah, okay, all right, cool. Uh, but then, and some people are like, yeah, I mean, we kept our we kept our stars in place and. We added some depth and we're good. Um, so it, it, that'll be something, and then it'll that will kind of play itself out as the season, you know, starts um, for them. So jumping in, I mean, I, you mentioned very briefly, uh, you know, the you know, and I, I'll, I'll, I'm going to put a flag in it. We're going to talk about it later because when we look at where some of these uh, other league teams fall along with Chelsea, you know, we have to take into account, and I'm sure we will, that, you know, sort of the business that all the other teams have done. It is my opinion that there a lot of teams did a lot of good business so far. Um, mm-hmm. Not everybody. I don't think everybody's done good business, and yeah. I've been very vocal about that. Um, but um, in relation to that, though, but I, there's some teams that I that I think have significantly improved based on the business that yeah. they have done. Uh, I, but I we'll agree. Talk- but, uh, but let's, let's keep on. Let's talk about just stay on Chelsea for for a few more moments here. So as we go into the season, first league match coming up is against Arsenal. Mm-hmm. Um, when we look at that, you know. Uh, do we? Do you expect any any changes? Any any differences in and how Emma is going to uh, utilize the offensive firepower that she has? Any tactical shifts that you think may happen, um, or is it going to be status quo? Do you think? Honestly, impossible to predict. In you know, okay. the of the season, I think some teams, and I think Chelsea might be one of these, will suffer a bit of a hangover in the opening weeks, mm-hmm. where they've had players off at the Olympics coming back, and also jetting to and sort of you know throw. Um, Arsenal have obviously got their UWCL game uh, this week against Sparta Prague, I believe. Yes. Um, and obviously, you know, that adds a factor sort of into it and adds another dimension to it. Um, because I, although I imagine they will get it done in the first leg, I imagine they'll want to start a quite strong side in order to get it done um, and remove any tension about it. I honestly wouldn't like to predict how the weekend's game could go. It could be, you know, an absolute drubbing from either side. It could be a really tight nil-nil. Could be anything in between. There's new managers sort of involved in it. A lot of new players sort of coming in. So, yeah, and also the new television cameras. 
and it'll be interesting to see how people react to you know the pomp and ceremony and circumstance behind it being sort of the big tv deal in the uk mm-hmm. uh and on the defensive side you know again too early to predict unable to predict any sort of shifting or status quo on the defensive end i imagine it will be the status quo um i can't really see Chelsea feeling like they need to do a lot of shifting because, again, as we said, the only game they really last year defensively looked very poor was the Barcelona game. Um, with mm-hmm. respect to Arsenal, they aren't on the attacking level of Barcelona. Um, right. And Chelsea also caused their own problems in that game. So I think, you know, that all has to be taken into account. I can't see why they change a defence that was the best defence in the league last year. How do you feel like the Chelsea has looked in preseason? Mm. Um, it's difficult. I mean, they have the game against Arsenal that was a bit of a... It was a difficult one because Chelsea clearly, I think, took it not less serious, that's the wrong word, but rotated a lot more. They had a lot more of their players off at the Olympics um, and Arsenal were pretty much able to field for about sort of 70 minutes or so their first choice 11 um, or near towards their first choice 11. I think Paris and Meadmine were missing, but the majority of them were that. Um Chelsea played a lot of youngsters and kept it to a very credible sort of 1-0. But again, you could see the difference in pace was off in the game. The goal that Chelsea conceded was a soft goal to concede. Um, but then later on, we sort of saw Rihanna Blades equalise for a very well-taken sort of individual effort. And then late on, Arsenal, one of their youngsters, won it for a stunner. But I think it's difficult to really analyse a lot from pre-season because so much substitutes happen. Then you had Chelsea's game against Rangers couple of weeks ago where I thought they played very well. They you know, should have won it by absolute landslide. They won um, 4-1 in the end. The goal they conceded was a defensive mix-up, but the um, they should have won by an absolute landslide if it wasn't for the keeper and some poor finishing. Um, last week they played um, Aston Villa in a friendly, which again, they you know controlled from start to finish. And it was just a case of poor finishing being the issue, which was the thing that was crept into Chelsea's pre-season last year. And everyone was saying, you know, they're going to struggle for goals. And then it just all, you know, lit up and caught fire. And I think, you know, you will probably see something similar to that. I don't like making too much of a sort of analysis into preseason because ultimately it's all about fitness. And, you know, you don't win any awards for winning a preseason tournament. You don't win any accolades for that besides, you know, some sponsored trophy. So, uh, and and it's with Arsenal coming up and then you mentioned that, you know, Arsenal is by the time that, um, you know, the, the time that the, they will be playing on Sunday, you know, mm-hmm. Arsenal would have gone through, I believe, three uh, Champions League qualification matches and Chelsea would have gone through um, essentially a preseason. Um, but it, well, Arsenal is one of those squads that I believe Rob has done really good business during the summer, um, you know, by, you know, in addition, and only really one significant loss, I would say, on as, as far as outgoings is concerned. And they do have a new manager. Any thoughts about what you expect in, uh, you know, you kind of, I know you mentioned a little bit, it could be up in the air as far as it could be a drubbing, it could be a draw, it could be, you know, any number of things Mm. i I think it's it's interesting certainly (laughs) Um, and so forth as far as how that match is going to play itself out yeah i I think it's interesting um there was some uh, arsenal's business this summer i like some of it but i think Mm -hmm. 
from I think losing Leonie Mayer would be a, quite a big blow because I think she was a really good squad option and she's someone who they've added options but they haven't really added anyone who has her skill set as that sort of um sort of bitey defensive sort of player um obviously they've got knobs and little and Walty who can all sort of do that I think but again they're all quite injury prone um and I do think they look a bit Top heavy going forward, in all honesty, with mm-hmm. me, me, Meyer, Paris, McKay, yep. Ford, Niwabuchi. Um, mm-hmm. Obviously, I think Iwabuchi will turn out to be a really good signing. Um, again, I was amazed she ended up at Aston Villa last year. I was, you know, surprised why on earth that happened at all. But I think that they will see some real problems. Um, potentially if they start getting a couple of issues in that midfield area, because it's quite wafer thin. And I think Marlon is a really interesting signing. Um, I know a lot of people that really, really like Frieda, Marlon. Mm-hmm. But I will say my only concern with Marlon is I've seen players come from um, sort of, you know, Danish and Scandinavian clubs to WSL for a lot of fanfare and kick off quite well. And then when it gets to the much more congested schedule, that you do get with WSL, they do wilt a little bit. And that's where I wonder if they're going to struggle a little bit, Arsenal. I think they could start the season really well. And then if they start getting a couple of injuries to key players in key positions, then start really sort of stuttering. Mm-hmm. Certainly, certainly. Yeah, and, I, and, and I, I really agree with you in terms of, you know, being a bit top heavy. Uh, you know, I mean, Arsenal did have you know, really strong run on defense, you know, they're the, at the end of the season, last season uh, and so forth. Uh, but, you know, they have, you know, they're pretty, they, I think you're right. They are pretty top heavy up, up front um, and so forth. So Chelsea's initial run of games in the league is interesting with Arsenal, Everton, United, Brighton, and Leicester. Your yeah. thoughts on on that run of fixtures to start the league campaign? It's- it's quite a tough start, although I kind of feel that ultimately Chelsea, I think, thrive a bit a bit when they've got that pressure on them. Um, and I think that's a real chance to put a marker down because obviously a lot has been made of Everton doing really, really good business this summer, and I think they have. But I also think there's a bit of a caveat with that of that have they done a bit too much business and will it take time for the squad to gel? Um, Brighton, obviously, we know they are Chelsea's nemesis. So inevitably, I'm already looking forward to the, you know, Chelsea registering six million next year against them and losing one nil. Um, and it, it, in terms of the other sort of fixtures, I think it's, mm-hmm. I think it's difficult in all honesty um, mm-hmm. to predict this year. I think it should be the hardest time we've ever had the WSL because I think it is its most competitive, and that can only be a good thing because yes. I think there's going to be. I think there's only a couple of teams I look at in the league and think, yeah, you know what, they're going to get drubbed, mm-hmm. you know, on a regular basis. Mm-hmm. And people at Leicester, I think, I don't think Leicester will. I think Leicester will come up. And I think someone said they'll be a bit like Leeds United in the Premier League. And I'm inclined to agree because they'll be very gung ho. They'll keep their attacking instinct. And I think that's why they'll end up comfortably in mid table because they'll beat teams in and around them. And those teams that sort of, you know, in that mid level, and they'll give one or two bloody noses, I'm sure. But I think, you know, if they come against the real top teams who have that little bit of nous and that little bit of quality, they could get, you know, torn apart in places and times. 
Yeah, and and that leads leads me up to to in closing and taking a look at how how these teams are going to uh, to kind of fall out at the end in terms of you know predicting and what the table is going to look like. And and I really feel like that the league is probably top to bottom better than they were last season. Um, top yep. to bottom with all the businesses have been done up and down the line. I do believe pretty strongly uh, that um, there are teams that we were hoping, and I say we in general terms, not you and I, but just we, uh, and, or let's say more specifically their fan bases, uh, probably were hoping to get, have more business done. Uh, and as a result of that happened, them not getting as much business done so far mm -hmm. and other teams getting more business done, uh, that they, we may see some, uh, some falling back. And those two clubs, in my opinion, and Rob, I'd like yours is, are both Manchester city and Manchester United. I do not believe that either one of those two squads have done enough business so far. And I think with everything that's happening with both squads right now, I think that there may be some falling back. Uh, for both of them. What do you think of both Manchester it's really, sides? It's really interesting you say that. I'll start on Manchester City women for the moment. It's really, mm -hmm. really interesting you say that because I actually think they've done some really interesting and good business in. Um, mm -hmm. I think Ruby Mace coming in and Alana Kennedy are two very good squad players. But I think the main thing last year that they were pushing Chelsea close on was the games where they needed that clinical number nine right. and bringing right. in Bunny Shaw from Bordeaux. But Bunny Shaw will score plenty in the league. Mm -hmm. I'm happy to, you know, confidently say she'll be up there. I think Lasada is that extra bit of nous they need in the midfield. I think she's a good replacement for Mewis in a way and has that extra bit of, you know, confidence and experience. And I like, as I said last year, I like Kelly Rasser. I think Rasser's a very good player and is someone who perhaps hasn't kicked on as much as we hoped at Everton, but maybe in a better side, she'll sort of, you know, start looking better. I mean, in terms of people going out, uh, uh, Aoife Mannion, I think she was good, but I don't think she's outstanding. I think Dow Kemper is quite a big loss for them. I'm surprised they haven't bring another centre-back. Um, Gunmin, I think, you know, Gunmin Lee, I don't think really is someone who was going to be ever be in their plans. Uh, Mewis and Lavelle, obviously, are the two big names there. But then again, Rose Lavelle promised a lot but didn't really deliver a lot last year. And I think Mewis is a big loss, but I think that's compensated by Lasada. So I don't think they're necessarily in as bad a sort of position. I think they will still be there or thereabouts. Um, obviously, I think the big question with them is obviously also at some point later in the season, they'll hope that they'll have uh, the, return of, um, uh, the return of Chloe Kelly as well. Back to school fitness, which could be you know a real big boost around sort of January, February, and again I hope you know her recovery is going well because that could be a real sort of boost coming towards the business end of the season. Um, I think you know a lot of it will depend on players staying fit. I do think that the aging defence is probably starting to become a bit more of a concern, and that might be somewhere where they sort of you know have some issues going forward. Um, but it's sort of yeah, I think, it, you know, it is what it is, really, in that regard. And I think probably it's the season after that will be more of an issue. I think in talking with City fans, it's more been about, you know, I think that they're, they feel like, and, and I agree, that there are a couple of pieces missing that they're still missing. I think, think if you look at the incomings, outgoings, injuries, 
uh, and all that, it's right now kind of a wash uh, it, to, for many. And I would agree with that. I don't think there's a massive falling off. I don't feel like Manchester City is all going to sudden all of a sudden go from second place to seventh or anything like that. I mean, they're definitely going to be, you know, in the mix uh, and so forth. But I just, I'm just not satisfied with all of this. This has been done and looking at the squad right now. This is Gareth Taylor's second you know, second year. We'll see how that plays itself out as far as you know the second year goes with the with you know the system that they have in place there. Mm-hmm. What about United? Uh, you know, just real quickly, uh, you know, what do you what are your thoughts about United's business? Because I, I've been quite critical, uh, at least in the initial stages, but then they made like mm-hmm. you know a hundred different you know moves within the matter of a couple of days, uh, and then brought in you know brought in a manager who I'm not convinced is the right choice, but. Yeah, I, I think the manager is a big question mark for me. Uh, let's start on the good sort of options. So Villa Buriza, I think, is a really, really good player. Um, I think, in all honesty, is probably a better player than Manchester United's level. Uh, I think she could, you know, do a very top, top club. Um, but obviously, Manchester United. She's been very honest and said that's her. You know, she is a big Manchester United fan. So fair enough. I can understand. The appeal of wanting to join uh, Blundell, I've already covered. I think Blundell's a very good, you know, is a very, very good player. Uh, Sophie Bagley, I think, is great business. I think that's a real, real sort of bit of a coup, in all honesty. Um, mm-hmm. A top, top goalkeeper will do a lot better. And I hope, you know, I'd assume she is going to be their number one um, this season. I, I know Earps is there, but I personally would say I think Bagley's a better goalkeeper than Mary Earps, um, mm-hmm. in all honesty. Uh, I think Martha Thomas is. Martha Thomas is one of those players I think is a good solid option to have up front, more of a sort of workhorse centre forward. Is she the sort of player that's going to score 20 sort of plus goals in WSL? No, but I think, you know, she could be good up alongside someone else. Um, and, you know, Aoife Mannion, I think, is someone who has a lot of potential but has stalled in the last couple of years and could, you know, regular football could be what she needs to kick on, which is a good thing. Looking at players that have come out, obviously we've been through Lauren James. I think... McManus um, could be quite a big loss for the sort of dressing room because, again, she was on loan last season at uh, Manchester. Uh, no, on loan for the second half of last season at Tottenham Hotspur. Um, but I think it's quite a big sort of thing. People underestimate how big something is in the dressing room, how big a personality can be in the dressing room. Um, Press and Heath, obviously, I think were quite well documented that they would have liked to have kept them and you know they chose to go Sigsworth to Leicester I think again is in a way has been replaced by Martha Thomas was she you know good enough for WSL level I don't necessarily think so although she was the third top goal scorer last season although the issue for United last season was scoring goals right um, because I think it was behind you know Ella Toon and Lauren James Mm -hmm. Um, Turner I think is a bit of a loss although it's something that you know They've brought in sort of Mannion and Bundell, who are both good players. I was a bit surprised to see Jane Roscoe, in all honesty. Um, mm-hmm. That was a little bit of one that did catch me by surprise, even though she hadn't, you know, been, she's not been prolific. She adds another sort of, um, another sort of dimension, I suppose, and is just another sort of real experienced head up there, but a good signing in that regard. In terms of players going out on loan, I think they said Ramsey on loan to Birmingham, but that's a good, that's a good loan deal for Birmingham City and a good loan deal for the player. Um, and other than that, I think, you know, that's most of their business sort of done. I think they've done okay business. But again, I think the issue is Manchester United fans have a, 
have a feeling they should be signing the creme de la creme in the league um, and the creme de la creme in women's football. And the fact of the matter is, and they may need to just accept this, is that it takes some time to get to that point. Um, and it took Manchester City a few years before they were starting to do it. It took Chelsea a few years before they were able to start, you know, bringing in the real international stars. And they may just accept that they need to do a similar, be, go in a similar way. And I completely agree with that. And I think I think there's a more than half of the Manchester United fan base that has very unrealistic expectations um, in terms of, you know, where the, the women's side should be in standing. Uh, I think this is going to be a comeback to reality moment, uh, you know, this season uh, with all of the question marks in place. I mean, they could shock us, but I you know, I really sincerely doubt it. Uh, so I think it's going to be a comeback to reality moment for, you know, everybody, um, you know, as the season plays out. But with that being said, uh, there are two clubs that I, I, I really feel like are, are going to make a interesting difference this season when we look at the end of the season table and look at maybe mm-hmm. the top five or six clubs and two of those teams and one in both of which we've mentioned very briefly and one is Everton yeah. uh, which has done a whole bunch of business and I think it's very interesting that you say that is it too much business like is it is there going to be a squad chemistry issue with all those players in and out in and out and then trying to put it all together yeah. but I think Everton has done incredible business and they've I think put a marker out there to say you know we're going to make a challenge at least for the top four or five mm-hmm. Uh, and be better than we were the season before. I think that they put that marker down. And then you have Leicester. And, you know, and and I think Leicester's model is such that they're kind of replicating sort of a similar model from that they do on the men's side, which is, mm-hmm. you know, to, you know, be very thoughtful about who they bring in and, and how they bring them in. But I think they've also said, you know what, hey, we're here, we, we're going to we're going to post a challenge as well. Now I do agree with you in the sense that I think that there, there are going to be some games where I think they're going to get run over, um, mm. but they're going to be, they're going to be some games in which they're going to hit someone in the nose, as you said. Um, so what is, when you look at maybe the top five or six clubs, do you still, I mean, I assume, but maybe I'm wrong, Rob, I assume that you still look at your Chelsea squad as being top of the league. I think it's between Chelsea and City still, in all honesty. Okay. Um, because uh, I know sort of the comments people have made about City's business, but I, I don't think they've really got that much weaker and they've brought in that world-class striker. And it's a bit like Chelsea's men's side, I think, in that the men's yeah. side needed to bring in that mm-hmm. world-class nine because they right. have all the other components in place. And now they've got that world-class nine. You can already see in the opening couple of weeks with Romelu Lukaku what a different prospect they are. And I think City, you will see the same thing. I think what will be really, really interesting with Manchester City is what happens in the game against Real Madrid and the WCL qualifier. Because Real Madrid, obviously, are a really good side. They have um, Mm -hmm. ambitious plans themselves. But they've lost, I think, Aslani um, for the game. I think City have lost Roebuck and a couple of others um, for the game. And it will be really interesting because, obviously, losing that, it will cut down their schedule significantly. Right. But it might also be a bit of a morale thing because you kind of feel if you're in the Champions League, you're the best of, you know, mm-hmm. the best of the best. And not being in that competition could, you know, have a mentality sort of knock on side of things. So I think it'll be Chelsea and sort of City in either order at the top of the league. Mm-hmm. And then I think, in all honesty, I think Everton could take her. 
Wow. I think it was between Ever- wow, Everton that, and Arsenal. That's an even hotter take than I had. Um, I, think, I think Everton wow. and Arsenal between them will fight for third. Okay. And then, so we got, so you got Chelsea and City, maybe possibly interchangeable. Three and four, Everton, Arsenal, possibly interchangeable. So mm-hmm. what are we looking at for maybe five and six? Ooh, that's, you know, that's where it starts to get tough. I mean, yeah. I, think, <laughs> I agree. You know, I think United will be there or thereabout. Um, sort of in that area. I think I, I would like to say someone like Reading, although they, you know, have lost a lot of, they've lost some good players. They've brought in some okay players in the January window, but in the window, sorry, but I don't think they've really, really, really kicked on. And I, I thought this was the window where they could have done something quite interesting. Mm-hmm. Um, I think, you know, I think it'll be interesting to see actually how, um, this year, how Aston Villa do yeah. under Carl Ward. Mm-hmm. Um, they could be a bit of a surprise package as well because they've done, I think, have done some really interesting business. And she, she's an unbelievable manager. Um, mm-hmm. And although they've lost players, like obviously losing Iwabuchi is sort of a big loss, but bringing in people like uh, Lehman, Boyhalork, Sargent, Hampton, all very solid players, Remy Allen as well, very solid players, I think, at this level. The only thing, as you might say, is where are the goals going to come from um, in their situation? But perhaps I'm, you know, underselling Haywood and sort of Hutton up front, who I know that Hutton sort of has come back and she has been sort of, you know, very much a work, again, a workhorse sort of centre forward, hasn't really scored a lot. Hale's coming in, I think chips in with a few goals. Um, but that's where I could probably see being a bit of an issue for them. But I think in all honesty, outside of the top four, it could be any mm-hmm. any number of teams. And they, they're all much or much. So I will say I think Tottenham have um, improved because I think mm-hmm. last year they they had a disappointing season, I think it would be fair to say, by what they'd planned on doing. Um, obviously finishing eighth in the league, which is very much lower mid-table. But having sort of Rahan Skinner as sort of head coach, good sort of coaching, and bringing in... Uh, Kaya Simon, and I think is a good signing because again, I think she's someone who will score some goals and will sort of put them away. Um, Bartrip, I think, is a good solid acquisition. Corpail is a good backup goalkeeper. Uh, they've brought in the striker from Real Madrid, who I can't remember her name at the moment, but she's a very sort of solid player. And they've let a lot, lot, they've let a lot of players go. And I did ask at the time, and I did suggest this: is this because you know they felt like you know, hang on, are they just here for a bit of a pay packet? And not really, that's a bit harsh to say that, but are they just here, you know, to sort of not get any better and see what goes on next? So, right. Um, yeah, I think it's hard to say, you know, I mean, I, I, if you, I would have a harder time trying to figure out who is going to get relegated versus who is going to win the league. Mm-hmm. Uh, because right. I think the league is so, is, is actually better from top to bottom than it was a year ago. And so I think it's a challenge, but, but to wrap things up here, I'm going to, you know, I'm going to stick with my top six uh, as follows. Okay. And so six, I do believe is going to be United um, Mm -hmm. for the very reasons that we talked about before five. I do believe that Lester is going to surprise people uh, as we've talked about. I'm going with them at five Four. um, wait a minute. Let me sure I got my order straight. For Everton, uh, I do believe, and I don't think they're going to push for third, I, but fourth, I, I see is pretty realistic uh, for them. 
third, I'm going, I'm going with City for third. I don't, I just don't. There's just something about that squad that I just don't believe is going to mix. I just, the, I, I see something off with them, mm-hmm. um, you know, that, that I think they're going to fall back a little bit. I and mean, that little bit's just going to be enough given what Arsenal's done. I really feel like Arsenal is going to be second. However, I think clearly Chelsea's still the top squad. Um, I don't think there, I think really there's nothing that I've heard so far and I'm seeing so far with Chelsea that suggests to me that Chelsea is going to, uh, that some somehow they're going to, unless something really drastic happens and knock on wood that it doesn't, mm-hmm. uh, I don't just don't see how Chelsea is not going to win the league. Now, will it be close? Yeah. Oh, yeah. I think it's going to be close. And I think you've got three solid teams out there that could you know could fight for it but in the end i really believe chelsea's quality up and down the the entire club from coaching to depth to the front starting 11 you know i just think they're the best uh in the league and i think it's gonna stay that way mm. interesting oh uh, yeah no i i wait to see i wait to see what happens this weekend again as the I know, Rob. You're the way. I mean, you, you. I've, you know, in the time that I've known you, which hasn't been very long, Rob. But, it, but the time I've known you, it, it's you. You've always kind of been like, kind of keeping it, keeping predictions close to the vest a little bit, and kind of taking more of a wait and see approach, and and so forth. And that's, you know, that's fun as well. Um, yeah, I do believe that Chelsea's run of games is going to be interesting. It's going to tell us a lot, but. Um, you know, I, as I said to Josh yesterday, I said, you know, even if Arsenal loses the first game of the season, not to panic, because I think, you know, there's still is still going to be swallowed in your face. I, I, will say, I, I think <laughs> I think one thing I will say, I'm pretty confident on this season is there won't be as many long, long unbeaten spells, I think, for teams. Mm. I think there will be more teams tripping up and sort of, you know, tripping each other up. I think more points will be taken off and you won't right. see, you know, right. a situation where a team sort of goes invincible or whatever. Mm-hmm. And I think that can only be a good thing because, you know, we don't really want to see teams losing, you know, eight to ten nil every single week. Right. Because that exactly. doesn't really add anything. And you, do, you don't really want to be coming into games and be saying, you know, well, actually... Yeah, and then you have the bottom of the league. I mean, if you, I mean, you have the bottom of the league that are that every. I think most everybody can say are stronger, mm-hmm. and so with right. that in mind, they can you know they can pop up and knock some knock a, you know knock a third place team off or a second place team off because I mean Tottenham, Aston Villa for the reasons we've talked about, West Ham, um, Brighton, Reading maybe not as done as much as we'd hope, but I mean all of those squads. That were that you know this that were kind of filtering near the bottom Tottenham and and that you you know Aston Villa and, and West Ham and so forth who were kind of looking at the bottom, um, they've all actually improved in some respects and, mm-hmm. and in some cases in a lot respect you know so mm-hmm. it's going to be interesting so I wouldn't be as surprised as you know if Tottenham knocks off you know Manchester City one day uh, or something like that and then I think the middle you know I think the middle has gotten better too so yeah, I think you're absolutely right. And I think, and I, I, the one thing I will say about the league, it's going to be more unpredictable and it's going to be a lot more fun 
for everybody because it's going to be really challenging and really gripping. Um, you know, and if you thought last year was really good, this year uh, is going to be better. Um, mm. You know, um, you know overall. So that's what I'm really excited about as we start this coming weekend. So Rob, I know that you have a busy uh, plate ahead of you uh, today, uh, given everything that you're doing. Thank you so much, Rob, for joining us today and giving us your perspective on Chelsea and the league in general. A great preview. Brilliant as always, Rob. I really appreciate your time. Yeah, no, thank you very much. And I look forward to another episode too. All right. So coming today is the day that we speak to, as we just spoke with Rob, we're going to be speaking with Mark with the Barmy Army to talk about Manchester United and have him yell at me for 30 minutes <laughs> on how, uh, you know, on why I'm so wrong uh, on my thoughts about United's transfer business. So that'll be fun. Catch that later on today uh, and so forth. And, and uh, we'll have the Manchester City preview probably coming up on uh, tomorrow. So in closing, thank you so much for watching. Thank you so much for listening. Smash a like, send this out to people um, and, you know, to share the video and everything else with your friends. And uh, just let us know. Take care, everybody. We'll see you later on today. This England is burning is out for at least for now. We'll talk to you later. Bye, y'all.